0: Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming along to a new episode of The Behavioural Investor. Uh, today, we have a great privilege of having Paul Lloyd, the co-founder and CMO of Snoop App. Snoop is an app that allows you to track your spending and also provides tips on how you can save money as well. So welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: How did you come up with the idea for Snoop? And also, how did you come up with the name?
1: Yeah, uh, so, I mean, my, my background is I spent... Um, 20 years really working at Virgin and so you know I was a, I was a scientist by background I did a chemistry degree then worked in kind of a consulting business I didn't want to be a chemist um, and for reasons I can't really remember um, and and then wanted really was really fed up of working in businesses but never owning the outcome and so looked to, to join a business a real a, a small business and Um, virgin was just getting started in financial services and money and banking and i got the opportunity to go and work there by complete chance and you know found it just the most liberating experience and what what virgin was trying to do from the outset was really change people's relationship with money change their behavior with money it started as a business that tried to help people invest um, and then got into banking and all sorts and kind of worked Worked with that business for twenty years, really, as um, you know, for a lot of that time as a CMO, and we grew that business from being a tiny business to being, you know, three thousand people. It was listed on the stock and We floated the business and eventually sold it, and it was a, it was an amazing experience. But I think we had such um, ambitions from the outset that when we got to the end of the, the Virgin journey, it was kind of like we did really well. We were really proud of what we built, but we never really achieved all the things we wanted to achieve and a group of us there were 10 of us um including um jen angardia who was the ceo at virgin money who we loved building businesses together and we kind of said you know we think we've got another we've built a number over the years we've got at least one more in us and what happened was open banking had come along and we sat together and talked about what we wanted to do we said you know wouldn't it be amazing if we could truly set out the things we And achieve with open banking this new technology that allows you know forces banks to open up their systems via apis that allows a new kind of business to emerge that sits between banks and consumers you know just like airbnb sits between places to stay and consumers and uber sits between transportation and consumers And wouldn't it be amazing if we could create a business that sat between banks and consumers that did what banks should always really have done but have never done which is to really help people with money and to use that information to the customer's benefit, not the bank's benefit, and that was really what the vision and, and where and where it came from. And you know, we're just at the beginning of that journey, um, but that's that's where that's where the business idea came from. About you know, it was about really driven by a desire to really, really change people's um, relationship to create a business that's actually banks and consumers that did a better job for them. And the name, the name came about. Naming, naming's really hard. Having having done it a number of times. I mean, you know, it was really fortunate. I worked with the Virgin brand for, you know, 20 years. And it's an amazing, amazing brand. Um, never took it for granted. It's, you know, almost one of its kind, really. Think about the breadth of sectors it operates in. And naming's really hard. Name some things over the years. It's really hard emotionally. And it's really hard practically because you go, we need to trademark and we need Facebook IDs and we need a URL. And, you know, it, so it's both emotionally hard and practically really hard. And we were, we were, Playing around with different ideas and um and the name snoop came up and snoop's a real double-edged sword some people love it some people hate it just like virgin and um but the reason the reason we went for Snoop in is ultimately it's what the product does right it snoops around trying to find what snoops on your behalf trying to find ways for you to save money and the thing we noticed was every time we went to see people back in the early days to talk about the business of what we're trying to do and we talked to them about snoop and whenever we went back to see them they always said hey, "Snoop." It was like, oh, actually, you remember you remember what we were talking about. And it was the same with consumers. We did some consumer research and um we we talked to a whole bunch of target consumers over kind of two weeks. And this is back in the days when Snoop was really just a PowerPoint presentation. We didn't have any tech. I remember doing the research with little bits of little bits of paper, you know, kind of hand-drawn screens and hand-drawn ideas. And after about 10 days we rang all consumers and we we actually researched the name as part of it we rang them all and said what was the name of that business that we talked to you about and all of them remembered it and we we're just like actually do you know what that is so hard to achieve and so that's how we came up with the name
0: i just want to go back to that concept of open banking and i really like the way that you explained that was the thing that allowed that to happen a regulatory change or was it more the technical sides of of
1: it enabled it it was absolutely a regulatory intervention so basically the competition and markets authority in the uk did a market study on banking and basically what they found was that yeah banking is you know not not as competitive as it could be it does not drive all the right outcomes for consumers, and part of the issue is you know banking is a is a tough business. It's highly regulated, highly capitalised, and so creating banks is really hard. And so what you end up with is you know a lack of competition, which the CMA were finding were driving poor outcomes for consumers. So the CMA's intervention actually was forced the big nine banks in the UK, the CMA nine, to create open banking. So what it did was, and they're they Thesis was that by creating open banking, what you would allow is a whole raft of businesses to evolve and emerge that could do what banks do without having to be banks. And so that's what's happening. You know, there is a whole swathe of fintech businesses based on open banking, all doing different things, you know, focusing in different areas of the market, whether that's, you know, some of them are focusing on investing some of them like snooper focused on money management and money saving some of them are focused on very specific elements of mortgage underwriting which are all about but they're all you know the common ambition is to try and you know do things better make it easier for consumers but yeah it's the regulatory intervention that's allowed it to happen right. um you know and and it's and it's fascinating because now what we're seeing of course is that's not just happening in the UK but it's happening around the world and um, you know, not not everywhere, but I think there's this sort of trend towards open data, open finance. Will you'll eventually see that happen, and and you know it will force the banks to be more competitive, and hopefully it will deliver better outcomes for customers too. Mm, absolutely, it's a little bit of a blunt one,
0: so feel free to dance around the topic. But it's how did you, you you talked about starting up uh, the new business with ten other uh, work colleagues, and one of the questions that we're were interested in was how you got the capital or how that started off
1: yeah no that so I mean I think very simply um yeah we were kind of fortunate because we for, for startup teams we're, we're quite a lot older you know we worked at Virgin for 20 years together so actually that meant that we probably hadn't you know we'd saved a bit of money over the years I mean none of us are none of us are that well off but enough enough to kind of get get us going our um our exec chair jane-ann invested in us to, to give us the seed capital to get us started and we were really fortunate because because of our history and our you know our you know when you've when you've done that thing for 20 years you meet people along the way and you talk to them about what you want to do and so we're very fortunate that um you know um havisham investments who were um, a, uh, you know, a connection that JN Ann had kind of really believed in the vision about what we were doing and got behind us and invested and gave us, you know, enough capability to get the first release of the app out. And then of course, when you do that and when it's, when it's real and people can see it and they can see customers engaging with it and they can try it themselves as opposed to it just being a thing on a piece of paper, which is, you know, it's hard to to invest in that um that gave us the ability so we're really fortunate i think a combination of you know investment from ourselves and then um but i think you know startup capital is really hot really hot it's really hard even for you know an experienced team and i think um but ultimately you know we we were fortunate enough to be able to do that
2: uh so continuing on about the challenges maybe there are some people who have uh some similar ambitions uh as you as you've executed on actually um in the fintech space so i'm wondering if uh, we could you know address maybe their concerns directly do you have any advice or thoughts about how hard it's been to get to where snoop is at the moment if you had some words of wisdom for an ambitious youngster what might those be
3: yeah
1: i think i think um yeah it's it's really hard starting a business and running a business it's it's completely different than working in a, an established business. I mean, it's not too dissimilar to where Virgin was 20 years ago, you know, it kind of, but you grow to a point where actually things change, businesses get bigger, they behave differently. There are different processes and structures you need to run a big business that you don't need in a, in a much smaller one. Um, and I think that, so I think it's been really challenging but it's been massively rewarding. And I think that, um, I don't know that I have words of wisdom. The only thing I would say is, I mean, it's taught me so much along the way, both sort of technically and professionally, but also personally, you know, you kind of think, you know, you know you sort of think you've been around the block a bit, but then I've always found that I've learned along the way and it's taught me so much about myself. And I think the, the, thing, the thing I would say actually is, in some ways I probably wish I had done it when I was 20 years younger, um, and then would have kept doing it because it is massively rewarding. And I, I would just say the biggest thing is you have to believe in yourself and your idea. There will be so many people along the way that won't believe in you, not not sort of um, not aggressively or maliciously, but just just kind of won't won't engage engage in it and they'll they'll kind of give you advice that isn't helpful, that you don't agree with. But you just have to believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing. No one will understand your business as well as you do. No one will understand your idea as well as you do. No one will be as passionate about it as you are. And you just have to believe in yourself and keep going and not give up. And Mm. I think if you can do that, and it is really hard, it's hard all the time. But I think if you can do that, you know, it's massively rewarding. And I think that we're not all the way through that journey. You know, we're, we, we, We are, but if I think back to, to Virgin, there were times when it was really, really tough, but you know, you keep going. If you're a good team, you stick together, you have fun, you know, you kind of, you take the highs and the lows together, you win and you lose together. And um, I think I would just, I would really encourage people to go for it. Cause I think there is, there is nothing more rewarding in my experience. Um, But, but, you know, just prepare yourself that it's not the easy path, but, if you're happy not to take the easy path and then, you know, and there are lots of people doing it. There are lots of people in the same boat and it's great to be able to talk to them about it because the experience is quite often the same.
2: Switching on now to some of the functions of the app itself. When I signed up, I went through the process to link it to my Monzo account. I'm trying to, you know, get up on all the latest fintech apps here in the UK. And I saw immediately as I was scrolling up through a Snoop, I got a bunch of suggestions about how to save money, for example, on my SIM on broadband, which was really helpful for me actually settling here in Bristol. But I was also interested to see that there's a function to engage with users and let them submit some ideas themselves. I'm interested to know how much users have engaged with Snoop via that the function to submit ideas. And
1: Yeah, we, we get a lot actually. Um, it's really, it's interesting and we, we use them. I mean, they're super valuable insights because if you think about what Snoop really tries to do, it tries to do the way we always talked about it from the outset was we're trying to blend the perfect match of, you know, Artificial intelligence and human intelligence, can we, can we give insights to people, we call them snoops, can we give them insights about their money that basically a human will never spot, but an algorithm will, and that an algorithm will never spot, but a human will, and if we can bring those two things together, can we really help them, you know, to give you two examples, so for me, there's an annual subscription that we pay in my family every year. And every time we pay, I say, why do we pay this? We never use it. But we just paid it. We might as well keep it for the next year. And of course th- having Snoop this year, the week before that payment was due, it popped up and said, you're about to make an annual payment of 90 pounds next week. And I was like, finally, there's no way that I could have held in my head that it was due in the first week of July, but it's really easy for an algorithm to spot. So we canceled the subscription. We don't need it. It saved us money. And then you know, when Netflix put their prices up in which they did, uh, whatever it was back in April, um, you know, you kind of say, well, actually, do I really need four screens Four? or do I need the top tier where I can watch four screens streaming HD simultaneously? I don't need that. So every customer that was paying what was going to be 1599 for Netflix, we just sent a snoop to saying, if, you, if you're happy with Netflix and you love it you love the four screens, there's probably not much you can do. But actually there's a 599 tier where it's one screen at once. If you don't use the four, just it's easy. Here's how you go and do it. And, and an algorithm will never spot that and a human will. And so the bit that where our customers really help us is that second bit. Because what we have, if you can imagine, is an editorial team that are always looking for smart ways to save customers money that are based on human insight. And what our customers do is contribute to that. And so... Um, and we've had like all, all different manner of things actually that we would just never spot ourselves. So um, you know e- even in the last the last week there was an example of a, um, a bank that was paying you had to opt in to get a, a savings bonus basically um, and so one of their customers said, I think this is a bit sneaky you have to you have to opt in to get it. Why don't you tell every other customer that's of this savings bank that you can see about it? So we did that during lockdown actually we had um particularly in the first lockdown last year because everyone was kind of disoriented by it and looking for kind of practical advice and we had a primary school teacher say I've got some great insights about how to homeschool kids and so we were like "What's well, was a bit different but we'll give it a try and, and actually um you yeah, it's just a smart it wasn't a smart insight about money so much just a smart insight about life and um uh and so but we said well but we can spot people with kids because we can look at their payments we can so actually we'll deploy that insight and then actually said to customers do you want more content like this and you know overwhelming the answer was yes so during lockdown we kept delivering that so we we curate it a lot we get a lot of input um and we use it i mean where we can use it we use it because and and i think that there's, there's definitely an opportunity i mean i sort of said this earlier snoop's at the very beginning of its journey i mean you know we have huge ambitions to really build out the platform to build out the ai component of it to help people more effortlessly not just kind of look backwards with money but more and more look forwards and also just can we that human element of it can we increase the kind of sophistication and personalization of that and ultimately we'll never be able to come up with all that insight ourselves because it lives in the mm. minds of customers so there's a there's a massive opportunity to do that. It's, it's it, we're at the very beginning of it. There's definitely consumer engagement in it. I think that some consumers just love love sharing their knowledge and actually like being the people. You know, those people when you go to dinner parties, there's always someone who kind of who just like has a has a has a has a smart tip or an insight. You go, oh, the bloke the bloke you want to bump into at the pub, and um, we have lots of those. So actually, and they're happy to share and they're happy to help. Mm-hmm. So, and I think making it more social is, is definitely a huge opportunity. Is there any
2: incentive for users in,
1: to make those contributions? What we do actually is where customers are happy for us to share their name, we normally just share their first name, we do. But I think there's opportunities actually to um, need to build more signals into that so they can see how many likes. You can like a snoop. You can do so yeah. in, the, in the app is you can say, I like this insight. I don't like this insight. And, and the algorithm basically then serves you more of the stuff you like and less of the stuff you don't. And so I think that actually telling our customers that have submitted snoops and ideas to save money, how they're, um, yeah, how, how it was liked and not liked is, um, yeah, it's definitely an opportunity.
2: Just to dig a little bit into the technical basis, you touched on using AI, similar to how I initially organized this interview, I just reached out to all the fintechs I could find on Twitter and we were lucky enough to have uh, snoop respond. But also, as I was sort of trawling around, the Twitter algorithm threw up a couple of interesting accounts. One was called This is Bud, and another one was either pronounced Plaid or Play. Yeah. And so you were saying that because of open banking, yeah. uh, you're able to have Snoop sitting between the banks and the consumers. But it seems like This is Bud and Plaid sit between the banks and Snoop. Do you use any of those services?
1: We do. We use a platform called OpenWorks, which has just been acquired by Tink and are another kind of um, another operator in that space. And if you can imagine what, what they've done is, you know, every bank's API is different. So what you what what they've built is that sort of connectivity into the bank API. And then what we have is a sort of single API into them so we yeah, absolutely yeah. we absolutely could have built that ourselves but it's just not efficient to do so what they've but they've already done the plumbing and actually what we've seen is that that's become quite quickly a commodity there are quite a lot of providers that do it actually um and so so yes we we work with we work with open works as i say now tink to effectively what they do is um they connect into each of the banks. We connect into them. I think the thing that, again, you only learn by experience. You know, the the, the, the what we do on our side actually is even after that um, that kind of processing and, and um, aggregation by uh, by OpenWorks. There's a lot of work we do our side to cleanse the data, to kind of refine the data. If you can imagine, open banking data is such that. If I, take a, if I take a business like Tesco, you go, well, actually, what we get is we get an amount, we get a description. You yeah, know, Tesco could be Tesco Mobile. It could be uh, Tesco, the grocery store. What you find sometimes is the name of the store is in the description, you know, Tesco, Bristol, Tesco, London. And so you have a, a – but, but actually what the customer wants to see is how much do I spend at Tesco? I don't care whether it's Tesco, you know. And actually, they, they, but they don't want to include in that their mobile bill. So there's a huge amount of work you have to do to clean the data. And once you've done that, and only once you've done that, you can build insights from it. And those so sort of Bud and um, Plaid and Tink and um, True Layer and all those guys, they, they get you so far, but then actually it's not a panacea. You have to build your own um, solution to, to really make the data work.
2: Like any uh, uh, service or, or product that depends on data and, seems like um it's all about that these days there's still a lot of cleansing yeah okay yeah there's a lot of so there, there's some hard work right yeah
1: yeah and you know i mean we have something like i think i'd have to go and ask our cto but last time we looked you know, like three million merchants now there, are, you know so all the differences so but then actually the truth is you need to cleanse those down there aren't there aren't three million merchants you know there are a lot less than that um uh, and, and what we've got really good at is that cleansing, and that's you have to have that to be able to give people the insight.
2: Sure, and, and I guess if you if you fail at that, um, that's an easy way to turn off your the interest of your users. Yeah, yeah. continuing the overall theme of our podcast, which is trying to em- empower users or investors, really, or um, I guess we're branching more out into personal finance here, at least to make people into um, to refine their skills. And to produce um, a better uh, kind of um, investor and, and personal finance manager, and the, this sort of uh, this issue kind of first came up in our the, the final question I asked with uh, Francesca a couple of episodes ago. Where and this is not to be not to be cynical. I just want to um, I guess speak frankly about how how it comes across um, from a behavioural um, perspective. It seems like a lot of these finance or FinTech apps, uh, they're trying to automate things, they're using AI, et cetera, um, to take the effort, if you like, out of um, some of the decision-making and the behavior, especially choosing to do the right thing. And I, I, I have a bit of I um, I don't want to say doubt, <laughs> um, but it, it seems like there's the potential for these kind of apps to lead to a person who's not refining themselves um have you ever thought about that
1: yeah I mean I think it's a really yes I mean I think it's a really interesting question and I think that I think that ideally what you need to, to try and do is do both because you know my my experiences and I, I don't think there's an easy answer to this or an easy solution and you know one of the things having spent 20 years at Virgin talking to customers about money and banking and sometimes kind of banging your head against a brick wall. And I think that, you know, there's, there's, it's often talked about that there's not a, there's not a kind of um, an infrastructure that, you know, fr- from school talk to you about how to manage money and think about those things. And so you, you're in a context, you're forced to operate in a context where for lots of consumers, that's difficult. And actually, I think that automation and AI and that can make that experience easier for consumers is really important because anything we can do to get, to get people to engage and benefit is key. And, you know, ultimately, if that's all we could achieve, I'd argue that's a better outcome than no. No, no progress at all
2: at the start of this interview you said that uh one of the basic purposes of snoop was to benefit um the customer so yeah. of, of course um i yeah I, I trust that you you have um consumers best interests at heart
1: all i was going to say though was was that um and i mean i wasn't even thinking specifically about snoop there but but i think that the the point you make i agree with which is i think if that's all we could achieve that would be better than no progress but but i think that you know ultimately what you want to achieve is is to both is to help consumers kind of um, build their experience and confidence and knowledge and you know, if I think about if I think about Snoop and what we do, we can't do everything for the customer we can't sort it all out for them. What we can do is we can give them nudges yeah. and insights that are designed to help And I think you see what we are doing is but but ultimately we can't take some of those actions for customers So when we say look we can see, Will, that you're overpaying for your broadband. Ultimately, Will has to take that action himself to sort it out, right? And so, but I think if we can give you the nudge and give you the confidence that actually you can do it yourself, then you can start to build habits that refine things to customers and give them the skills and confidence to make those changes. And I think you can see that, you know, whether that's in apps that are about helping customers start to save or. So I think that. You know, for me, the point you make is a really good one. I think that, I think ultimately, what the ambition really should be is it should be about making it easier for customers. Because for lots of customers, it is a low engagement category, it is a low interest category. But I think that the best solutions are those that both achieve that and then help build customers' kind of confidence and skills. If you think about, you know, kind of apps that tend to try and help in other areas of life, whether that's nutrition or health, or you know, ultimately. You know, what those guys are about is they're not just about kind of a, a quick fix, which is, you know, drink this ready meal for six days to lose weight. The best ones are actually trying to change your habits and your behaviors and your knowledge and actually what good nutrition is, how to eat healthy, how to cook healthily. And, you know, they might make it easier, but they also try and engender that and build that knowledge. And I think that, you know, if if FinTech can achieve that, Snoop can achieve that, then we really will have achieved the thing that we set out. 20 years ago with Virgin to do and, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get there and that's the path we're on and, you know, because it's a really enjoyable part. We think it's a worthwhile cause um, and, and you know, the knowledge we've built, we'd love to think that we can try and get a long way there.
3: Does mm.
1: that make sense, Will?
2: Yeah, I mean, in, in your your answer, um, because I, I thought that I was um, beginning to ask the questions that would begin to conclude the interview, but your answer, Made me think of a whole bunch of new ones, and I guess mm-hmm. um, what one of the things you said made me think is the finance system for the everyday person just way too complex, such that we need, for heaven's sake, an AI-driven app to help them make sense of it. You know, um, that was one thing that uh, what you said made me think about, um, but. but at the same time, um, yeah, your intentions and, and your aims um, are to make, uh, to empower the consumer. Um, I, I, maybe, uh,
1: I, yeah? I think the finance system is complex. I mean, I think that, and I think there there are two elements to that. I mean, Virgin was always aiming for kind of radical simplicity. Um, and I think that, but, but actually, competitive behaviour in financial services does not encourage radical simplicity. But, and actually some of the the things that customers are buying are not simple products and will never be a simple product. The mortgage is not a simple product. You're taking on a debt for 25 years, right? So it's a big decision. You need to understand what you're doing. It's not a simple, it's not a simple process to buy it. It's not a simple, you know. So I think that I think that there will always be, but but making the right decisions as a consumer and getting the right can can transform your life. It can absolutely be a, a you know a wonderful thing. So I think, that, I think that the financial system is necessarily complex, unfortunately, and probably always will be. But the, um, the dynamics of it have created a situation for consumers that exacerbates them and, and, and makes that complexity more difficult for them. And I think the opportunity for fintech and tech and life's complicated, right? You know, for everybody, you've got, a, a, you know, a, a lot of things to manage and think about. And the opportunity for tech is just, I think, to try and help both simplify that where it's possible and then automate it where it's possible and help consumers make the best decisions they can as easily as they can. And to build, to go back to your original question, to build the knowledge such that they have the confidence to make those decisions. Because the way that consumers are, you know they're, they're they're being asked to make complex decisions really with no um, uh, you know no um, no no context so so that's the opportunity
2: so uh, as uh, as disciplined investors trained at, at Stanford no less Ben and I have uh learned in our framework to to ask the question what are the threats of substitutes and new entrants so again in my trawling around twitter I found a potential new entrant or, or substitute uh, for Snoop and the likes, which is Step Up. And they're, they're yet to launch, but when they do, basically it'll be a service to help people be the architect of their own habits um, and to uh, provide some support for setting up and maintaining new behaviours. So putting yourself five years into the future, knowing the potential for these sorts of new entrants what are your thoughts on on what Snoop will be?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think that um, I think that you know, there's there's always every sector of operating. There's always re- competition. It's really hard. There are really good businesses out there, which kind of force you to work harder, and and that's that's always a that's always a good thing. I think when you look forward five years for Snoop, you know my my ambition would be that. I think that what I see today is lots of businesses and fintechs doing part of the puzzle for consumers. And actually it's like, well, I need one app to do that, one app to do that, that website to do that, that to do that, that to do that. And I think that that's not what consumers want or need. They actually need one thing that really brings that together, whether that's that's about, um, doing it themselves or whether that's just about an uh sort of an ecosystem that does that i don't really know the answer to that but i think that you know someone will build that capability that does that for customers and it won't be a bank it will not be in my view a monzo or a Revolut, or a, you know and the reason it won't be them is because they have a balance sheet that and a, and a necessity They've built current account businesses. They, they they are banks now. They have to make the banking business model work. They'll do it brilliantly. They'll deliver a better customer experience, but they can never, ever truly be on the customer's side because they have their own, they have to leverage a balance sheet to drive a return for their shareholders. And so I think the opportunity is to watch a business that will come and create that for consumers. And I think that, you know, we'd love it to be Snoop. We'll work as hard as we can to make it Snoop. But, you know, someone will do it and that's the, that will be the exciting bit. We'd love it to be us and we'll, you know, but, but, but only time will tell.
2: Great. How do people find out about Snoop online, whether it's on Twitter or on the web?
1: Yeah, just head to um, the app store and, or the play store and search for Snoop and we'll pop right up and give us a try. So um, I'd be fascinated to, to see what people think. And you can always reach us, just write to hello at snoop.app and, me or one of the team will come back. So we're always thrilled to hear from people, you know, the most the, the most gratifying thing genuinely actually is always just people who use the product telling us what they think of it, good and bad, you know, the, the bad stuff we can improve from and the good stuff really genuinely you get a great review and it makes, you know, it makes your day. So um, that's that's what we're in business to do.